that's, that's half of you. We got it. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. This you know, that all those in Asia, verse 16, 2 Timothy 1, all those in Asia have turned away from me among who are Phygelus, Hermogenes, the Lord grant mercy to their household. And I know everybody has a different way to say this. Just let me try mine, please. Honesty for us, for he is often, and this is my text to preach, refreshed me and was not ashamed of me. You give me one friend who's not afraid to stand by my side in the middle of battle, we could take on the whole world. Just give me one man who says, I might not always agree, I might not always understand, but I believe you are a man of God. I'll put my back to yours like Bubba did Forrest Gump, and our heads will stay out of the water when the storms come. Is anybody listening? Nobody seen Bubba and Forrest But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Paul's words to Timothy, and Timothy could recognize these words and his own storm. I want to preach just for a few moments when the storms come. And I want to preach being refreshed in the storm. Stretch your hand this way. Man of God, pray over me. Ask God to touch me, please. You may be seated. Let me, let me reminisce to set up my, my sermon. And let me be Uncle Rico just for a while. And for those who doesn't, don't know Uncle Rico, you won't get it, but you'll get it later. Back before the days of concussions and football, back when you and I played, I did have face masks. You didn't have face masks when you played. But back then, there was no such thing as a concussion or anything like that. When somebody would run into you wide open playing a drill called the Oklahoma drill. Any of you men ever played the Oklahoma drill? Anybody know? Yeah. Tommy played for Salem, some of you, yes. And so everybody knew, you just line up across from each other. And sometimes they'll make you run the gauntlet and you run right into each other, helmet to helmet till you pass out. I remember distinctly in a couple games playing that I know now that I had a concussion now, but back then there was no such thing. And the way that you would recover was one of two ways. Coach would walk out there, you couldn't breathe, you couldn't talk. You're like, he's like, you okay? So you don't understand, you couldn't say nothing. We need you, son, get back in the game. You're like, I can't breathe, you understand what I'm saying? Then they would do something like this, back up, back up. Just give him some fresh air, that's all it, just give him some fresh air. And if fresh air didn't work, how many of you men remember this? They'd put some smelling salt up under your nose. And all of a sudden you come back like somebody sang your favorite song in a Pentecostal church. You come back to life. And they'll say, how many fingers am I holding up? Eight, coach. He's good. Put him back in the game. There you go. That was the way people got back in the battle when they were playing football. I wish it was that same way in the spirit world, but it's not. See, when the enemy knocks you down and tries to knock you out, it's not enough to put some smelling salt up under your nose and say, he's going to be okay. Put him back. 
Because in the spirit world, we're not playing with a pigskin and trying to advance a football. We're dealing with lives. We're dealing with people's emotions and feelings and their children and their marriages and their, their finances and their careers. We're dealing with an enemy who doesn't play fair, who could tax you at your weakness, who attacks you at your weak moments. Are you listening this morning? I've got a word for somebody who attacks you at the people that you love the most. He, he knows it's your marriage. He knows you care for your children. That's why the old soul, he knows you love your brothers and your sisters. And that's why the enemy comes against you so hard. And I wish it was as simple as just putting some smelling salt and putting you back in the game to win, but it's not. But there is something to be said, though, about catching a fresh air. In fact, Scripture speaks on it many times. In fact, I believe on two distinct occasions. Once, when God breathed into man, he gave man the freshest air possible because it was a very uh, nephage and pneuma of God, spirit of God. When God breathed into man, man became a living soul. And then also I believe on the day of Pentecost that God breathed into the church, not man, but man in the church and the church became quickened and alive and that church is still powerful and alive today. Why? Because God gave breath to the church. God refreshed the church and the church is what it is today and the church is the most powerful force on the place, on the face of the earth. Why? Because God gave breath and life to the church. I come to remind somebody today, you may be in a storm and you may feel like it's the fourth watch of the night and you may feel like you don't have what you need to make it into the storm but can I remind you that one breath from God one touch from God and you will come back to life you will come back in the battle and you will make it and not die in the middle of the storm amen if you believe that give God praise this morning When Paul says the word refresh to Timothy here, he's talking about an individual that volunteered to get in the battle with him. Listen to me. Some people are in the battle with you because they have no choice. Aiden has no choice but to be in the battle with me. Jessica has a choice. See, some people are in the battle with you because they have no choice. But when people jump into the battle with you because they believe in you, they got a call on their life as well. They recognize God's hand on your life. They realize you might not be perfect, but you're God's woman and God's man. It's something to be said that when somebody looks to get into your store with you and says to you, listen, I know you're going through something, but baby, I want you to know you're not gonna go through it by yourself. God has sent me to refresh you in the middle of your storm because I'm going to help hold your hands up, Moses, that you don't fall prey to the enemy. The word refresh means to revigorate, to bring back to life. The word refresh in the biblical sense means revival. It means in the middle of your storm, Paul is telling Timothy, who's in a storm, that God sent somebody to me that helped revigorate my life and revive my life when I thought my life was almost over. Can I tell you, it's not over till God says it's over. You haven't flatlined yet. You may have not felt the Holy Ghost in a long time, but can I tell you, today's your birthday. Today you can feel the breath of heaven in this house because I know people have tried to throw dirt on you and I know some have wrote you off 
And I know some have stabbed you in the back. And I know some of your family members won't invite you to the Christmas party. But can I tell you, it's not over till God says it's over. God will raise up somebody somewhere to jump in the battle with you so you don't have to fight by yourself. I don't know who I come to preach to, but you're not alone, Elijah. You feel weary up under a tree. You feel weary in a cave. But God has sent an angel at your weakest moment to feed you so you won't die in the middle of your storm. You are not alone today. Well, Brother Nolan, I just need one good Christian to come by. I want you to hear this. Some of you are not going to like it, but you'll get over it. Sometimes God won't even send a Christian. Sometimes God has sent a heathen by to refresh you in your storm. Some of you looking at me now thinking, mm-hmm. Because sometimes the church, we take vacations on God. And like James says, we start showing favorites. If somebody comes in with a lot of rings and jewelry, we might give them the best seat. And somebody comes in smelling, we might send them to the back. James says, you immature believers do not show favoritism. He's not putting down people with money. In fact, he praises them. It's not about the people with money that had trouble. It was the church that had trouble. Paul is now done with his storm in the physical. He is coming on nothing but a board. He has a board in Acts 27 and 28. He is left, he left in a ship, Rory, but now he's coming in on a board. See, sometimes you, he, Paul's like us, he's probably thinking, I started out with so much, but look what I lost. It's not what you lost, it's what you still got. What you lost was not sufficient, but that one piece of board alone, I get you to the other side. Come on, somebody. Your your confidence is not in the ship. Your confidence is in God who created the ship. Paul is floating alone, but what happens when he gets to the other side? The Bible said that somebody showed him unusual kindness. The church. No, it wasn't the church. The church didn't show him unusual kindness. It wasn't the mariners either. It was a bunch of barbarians on an island that he had not went to that helped him start a fire. Let me tell you, when the, the I shouldn't say that, when the church can't be found and when the, the pastor can't be found, God will send a bird to bring manna down to you and feed you at your weakest hour. Did not God create it all anyway? I come to let somebody know you may be down, but you're not not out. You may be going through the biggest storm of your life, but I feel a refreshing wave about to touch this church. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Is anybody listening? I feel a refreshing wind, a revigorating wind to touch us and give us a second wind to put that smelling salt up under our nose and say, QB, get back in the battle. It's time to fight in the name of Jesus Christ. Look to your neighbor and say he's preaching to you. Would you do that? Paul, when he writes to Timothy quickly, I got 24 minutes. Paul, when he writes to Timothy, is reminiscing back over his life. If I, the biggest mistake that I've made, I, Danny, I wish I would have kept a journal and wrote down everything that God has done over 22 years of ministry. Sometimes people will come back and say, I remember you preaching something. And last night, my brother called me and said, I met a guy named Mike. You remember Mike and Diane? I said, yes. He said, he's pastoring Chesterfield. He said that you led them to the Lord. I said, hey, that's been, that's been, or hey, Brandon, that's been 18, 19 years ago. I wish I would have wrote everything down 
That's what Paul's doing right here. Listen to me. Paul is reminiscing about his ministry, ministry and his ministerial life. And something perplexes him as he tries to encourage Timothy in his present storm. Paul says, I had two people leave me. These two people were my partners, Phygelaeus and Herminius, excuse me, left me in the middle of my storm. I'm glad I don't have to call somebody these names all the time. Are you listening? They left me in the middle of my storm. He says, but I want to tell you something. Why these two left me and left me in the middle of my storm. He says, but God sent somebody else to me. Look at me. In the middle of my storm. I come to let you know as you look back over your life, there may be some trouble spots. But if you'll get your head out of the sand and quit crying this woe is me, oh is me song and lift up your head, I promise you that there is somebody somewhere who has been an encourager to your life. It might be a song, it might be a message, it might be a preacher, it might be a church. Listen to me. But there's somebody in your life that God has sent there at the right time to be a blessing to you, to say the right thing, to have the right word, to give you the right sermon, to post the right thing on social media, to give you what you need to make it through the storm. Paul tells Timothy, all these people left me. Can't you hear the pain in his voice? He's still in jail now. He's trying to encourage a young preacher, but all I hear is the pain of Paul saying, they left me and others try to separate me from Jesus. What he means is this. I don't believe they were trying to say Paul was separated from the church. I believe that they were trying to kick Paul out because Paul preached truth. You listening? And they didn't like it, so they wanted to separate Paul from church because we could have church better if we didn't have Paul's writings. Right? Husbands love your own wives. See, if we didn't have Paul, we might could love somebody else's wife. Oh, I'm okay, that's all right. I felt that. He's, somebody said, oh, here we go again. No, I stopped. So they're trying to separate him. And Paul says, but however, he says, all of a sudden, though, when I thought my breath was a little fade from me, and I thought it was over, God sent me a businessman, not a church of God preacher, not a church of God credential minister, but God sent me a businessman, like a breath of fresh air, new crisp mountain air in October in Wahala, South Carolina, when the first frost comes, and you know it's the best morning of the year because it's 49 for the high the next day, and you walk outside, and there's no more mosquitoes, it's no more hundred, okay, I'm meddling, but you understand where I'm at? Paul says, God sent me a man. Anasiphorus uh, means a bringer of help. It means that God sent a man to bring me help when I was at my weakness. I don't know who I'm coming to preach to, but don't think it's over. God will always have a woman. God will always have a man. God will always have somebody at the weakest moment to bring you what you need, to get you by and get you through what you gotta go through. The problem is we're always complaining about who left. Well, this man left and that woman left and that church and that denomination. We're always fussing about what we don't have. Quit fussing about what you don't have and realize and look for what God's trying to bring to you. Come on, somebody. Paul says to Timothy, who wants to abandon the faith in a spirit of fear, Paul says to him, 
I thought they all have left. And then all of a sudden, God sent me a businessman who come and brought me the help that I need. Pastor, what help did he bring him? The Bible's clear. He refreshed him. My job as your pastor this morning is to bring you refreshing water in the middle of your storm. I come to let somebody know it's time for you. I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna tell you your storm is over. I'm not gonna tell you it's gonna be okay. I don't have a magic wand. I don't know everybody's plot in here a storm, but I do know this. I have a cup of water for everybody in this house this morning. I believe that the Holy Ghost is trying to breathe into your life right now. And if you will just let God refresh you in this house, the storm may not cease, but your thirst will. See, I ain't I'm not trying to get you out of the storm yet. I'm trying to get God into your storm. I know he's already there. I just got to get you to open your eyes. And then you can be like Paul and Silas, that helper. When God sends a helper, the storm may not stop. The jail door may not open. But you can get your soul back in the middle of the storm. And you can sit there in the middle of your storm with your back bleeding and begin to say things like this. He's still good, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's still good. See, anybody can praise God on Easter when everybody's got their new dress in their hat. But it takes on real men and women of God. It takes on real people to worship God like Brother Godwin did the other day in the hospital when he didn't know what was going on and the years are beginning to pass by. But to recognize that God has always brought him through and God will continue to bring him through every storm of his life. I don't know who I come to preach to. It may just be two or three, but you two or three that are listening, I've got refreshment on hand for you today. God is trying to revive you and your marriage and your finances if you will let God breathe to you in your storm. Somebody say amen in this house. Amen. Listen to me. There was a couple things that the Bible's clear that this great businessman did for Paul. First of all, the Bible said he refreshed him. And they refreshed him. Paul would use this word also in Romans 5, 1 Corinthians 16, and the book of Philemon in chapter 1, verses 7, and also verse 20. Paul would talk about over and over. In fact, in Corinthians, he talks about Titus coming to him and refreshing him. Listen to me. It's always good to have somebody that will stand with you in the storm. Are you listening? I don't like to go through storms by myself. I want somebody that would bring ministerial refreshment to me in practical ways in the middle of my storm. No wonder Paul said in 1 Thessalonica, Thessalonica chapter 5, Thessalonians chapter 5, he says in verse 11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just also as you are doing. One translation says, build each other up. Pastor, how can I refresh others and how can others refresh me? Easy, intangible, practical ways. If somebody's beside you, Terry, and they don't have food to eat at McDonald's today, don't look at them and say, I'll pray that God will find somebody to feed you. Go back to the counter, order a fish filet, because that's about all they eat at McDonald's. Are you listening? Order that and a cone of ice cream dipped and a fry. Some of y'all coming to life right now. Aiden's on her shout, praise God. Listen, if Ashton hears McDonald's, he already goes to six chicken nuggets, apples, and go-grit, and a toy, and he's in heaven just like that, just like that. Don't talk about, I just wish God sent somebody. He did. He just sent you to help them in their storm. 
He sent you to be a blessing. We're, listen, this is not super spiritual here. We'll get to super spiritual. This is the practical part. This man came to Paul to refresh him in practical ways by showing up. By showing up. Pastor, watch this. Everybody always says, how can I help you the most? By coming on Sunday morning. The biggest way to help a pastor outside of pastoral prayers to bless him and his family to assist him is to be faithful because it lets him know they are listening and I'm doing a good job moving the church forward. But if you stay home for six months, that might be a sign to me that I'm not doing a good job and it weighs on me. Practical ways of refreshing. Your wife has a new dress. You look good today, baby. Are you ready to go to church? She puts a smile on her face. You go to church and you have a good week. <laughs> Practicals. See somebody new in church. Somebody that's not coming a while. Do not do this. Where you been? Hadn't seen you in two months. They don't want to hear that. Don't you think they know they hadn't been here in two months? They've got guilt on them when they step in the parking lot. The devil's done told them 84 times not to come in. The preacher's gonna preach on your toes. You know Mark Hancock is gonna give you the evil eye. Tommy's done wrote your name down back there. Carolyn Morgan's gonna cut your tires before you leave. Sure, the devil has done lied to them and you're going this. First thing you do, where you been? We sure missed you. Don't do that. It's good to see you today. I'm so glad you're here. We're gonna have a great day. You look good today. Preacher, what if they don't look good? Well, don't lie. Find something that they look good in. <laughs> Your glasses re look really good today. Oh, they're the, they're the same glasses I've always had. I just noticed them today. They got a special shine about them. Come sit down beside Joey Vaughn, our church boss. You're gonna love sitting. You can change. Listen, I'm being serious while I'm joking because I feel God moving. You need to be practical. Churches are not practical. That person's not coming to church. Did you call and check on them? Did you find out what's going on? This man was practical. It wasn't absentee prayers. It wasn't absentee visitation. It wasn't saying, oh, I prayed for you and not praying. This man went to find Paul, got into his life and let him know, I'm going to help revive you. You have meant a lot to me. I'm not going to let you be here by yourself. I want you to know that while you're in the storm, I'm in the storm with you. How many people in our church has cancer but don't have nobody to walk the storm with them? How many are in the nursing home but don't have anybody to walk the storm with them? How many has marriage trouble but don't have anybody to walk the storm with them? How many teenagers have parents who are ungodly but don't have anybody to walk the storm with them? We are the church of Almighty God, full of wisdom, love, and compassion. The church needs to be the church in Jesus' name. Secondly, quickly, I told you I had a word. Secondly, the scripture says he was not ashamed. He felt deserted and abandoned. But this man, Paul says, was not ashamed of me, nor my bonds, nor my trouble. Brother Nolan, Herschel's going through a divorce. I, I think we ought to turn him out of the church. Man, I don't know why Jesus didn't turn that lady out in John chapter four. My goodness, she just didn't, she wasn't going through a divorce. She had so many husbands, she couldn't even find a real husband. I can't believe you said that, preacher. Well, hmm. we always look down at somebody until it's our children. We always say, if that was my child, I'd discipline that way, or if that was my husband, I'd, 
Well, they're not. They're not yours. They don't need your lack of wisdom that's being displayed by carnal verbiage that has no ability to bring any providential help. What they need is your prayers that have the ability to change atmospheres and situations. But one of the most powerful scripture, and, and I, I don't want to do this, but, but I'll be honest with you, in the church world, it's so hard to find, not here, but other places, is that I remember when I was worldly and carnal and full of sin, Brother Ed, I remember that if you had a few boys or dogs, as they called them when I was coming along, I don't know what they called them, but if you had two or three dogs that were, had your back, man, you felt like the four horsemen. You could take on anybody. It didn't matter because you knew those guys had your back no matter what. Even when you got in trouble, that's my boy. Well, well he just got kicked out of his house. Oh, he come live with me then. That's my boy. That's my, that's my girl right there. That's, that's my a family to me. You know what I'm saying? And the church, well, we don't do that. Sometimes, even when people make mistakes, we just crucify them. Come on, I might as well go with it. Let's kill them. They, they, got, they lost their job. I told you. I told you. We, we crucify people. This guy says, you're in jail, but I'm not ashamed. I, I, you're my friend. You're my friend. I don't know who I come to preach to today, but we need people just like that. We need people who will show up in the middle of the storm and say, I know you've got cancer and I know you've got a problem, but I want you to know that I may not understand or agree, but I am in the storm with you and I'm gonna fight with you and I am your friend. You're my pastor, you're my member, you're my friend. We're gonna fight together. We're gonna fight hell together. We're gonna fight devils together. I'm not ashamed of how you look. You've gained some weight, Mill Nolan, but I'm not ashamed of you. Are you listening? I'm not ashamed. Give me two or three people who are not ashamed Give me two or three people who will fight for each other in the storm. Paul says, this man had my back and was not ashamed. When Jim Baker went into jail, all of a sudden they voted the most three influential people in the church world. The week that they voted that, you all know who number one was, Billy Graham. But what you don't know, unless you read his book, is that the same week that Billy Graham was voted number one, as the most influential person in the church world, he also shows up to Jim Baker's prison cell and walks in there with arms wide open and hugs him. Same week. The man who was at the top of Christianity, who fell and embezzled money, who went to jail and served his time, who God can't forgive, when we killed him and he was wrong, Billy Graham, who was not a Pentecostal per se, as Jim Baker was charismatic, shows up in his prison cell and hugs him. When the church world was wanting to say, distance yourself, Billy Graham shows up and says, I just want to tell you I love you and I want to pray with you. The week Jim Baker gets out of jail, Billy Graham and his family, they tell us in his book, invites his family to his house to start healing and restoration. What if the church Practice that. What if the church said, I know you were once an addict, but I know a God who can redeem. I know you did some things. You had an affair. We've heard rumors, but can I tell you, we've also heard of another rumor that God is a restorer and God is a healer and God is a chain breaker and God can turn it around and at the North Wahala Church of God, we're not afraid of restoration. 
and we're not afraid of reconciliation and we're not afraid of loving the unlovable. Why? Because our church is full of people that had bad reputations and God has turned them around. Then my favorite, he says, mm-hmm. I like this Herschel. I feel like slapping hands, I like it so much. He says, not only did he refresh me and he wasn't ashamed of me, he says he came looking for me with such zeal till he found me. That means he went after his brother until he found him to make sure that he was okay. How many of you, if your child went missing, would you not turn Oconee County upside down until you found your child? That's what the scriptures say. This brother said, we're so connected together that no matter what, where they went, the Bible said he went searching for him to find him so he would not be alone. I've told you this before and it always comes back to my mind. My first pastoral buddy, Caslow Grant, African-American preacher in Sherall, always used to tell me, fellowship is great, but fellowship is better when there's more than one fella in the ship. And it's the truth. Because fellowship by yourself is loneliness. That brother had a passion to make sure that that other brother did not have to go through the battle by themselves. Nobody wants to be alone. Nobody wants to have to fight Satan by themselves. Everybody needs a Barnabas. Everybody needs a John Mark who's restored and comes back. Everybody needs a Silas that may not say too much, but they're just there. You don't have to tell them what's wrong. They already know. Everybody needs somebody to show up. When I pastored in Columbia, we had a minister affiliated with the church that failed, committed sin, and lost his license. And immediately I could feel the friction or the fear. So that next Sunday we got up, because I knew the family and loved the family. And not only did we pray for them, but we took up an offering because I knew that also where you get to keep your job if you mess up, you cuss your boss the bar, you get to keep your job. If daddy and I cuss each other, we both lose our license. They lost their income as well. So what we did as a church, we offered restoration, healing, a place to recover, and they also offered a great sum of money to say that while you're in transition to be restored, we're not going to let you starve, and we're going to make sure your kids have what they need. Are you listening? It's okay to help somebody, even when they mess up. 
even when they mess up, it's okay. This man says, even though Paul didn't mess up, he was saying to him, I'm going to ride with you. You're my ride or die. I'm going to ride with you. Everybody else is leaving you, but I looked all over this Roman town to find you because I was fearful and concerned that you might be alone. As I close this sermon today, this church should never have people that are alone. This church is too big not to have people that also help other people. I'm not asking you to be a busybody. I preached against that a few weeks ago. I'm not asking you to ask a lot of questions. I am not encouraging you to go around trying to get in everybody's business. I am though pushing you to help refresh people who are in storms. TJ, I'm with you, sir. You get kicked out of Anderson this year, I'm with you. Because you're going to need it because I know your mama. But I'm with you. And I'm going I'm to I'm find a way to tell her I'm praying. Maybe God wants to shift him. Maybe God wants to do that. And I know what Sheila's going to say. That might be true, but he's going to stay at your house. But I'm with you, son. What if TJ messes up today and he, he goes off with somebody? I'm going to correct him. But then also, I'm not going to send him to the, to the outside. I'm going to restore him. Galatians 6 and 1. And I'm going to let him know that I've made some mistakes along the way. And everybody in this church has made some mistakes along the way. Because I don't want him feeling like he's a Christian by himself. There's no lone rangers in the church of God. Lastly, the Bible says, you know very well how much the service he rendered to me. Paul says in closing, this man served by every need. For that I was refreshed. What do you have need of today? In the middle of your storm, what do you have need of that we can help you? That God can help you? That the church can help you? What do you have need of this morning that God can render service to you? There are two men who have a legacy of abandonment of abandoning a brother in the faith. But there's one man with a difficult name who was not even clergy that has a reputation from now to eternity who says, Paul, I wasn't gonna let you fight by yourself because I'm your brother in the faith. Rofahala, you're not by yourself and you're not in the storm alone. There's people here with you that will help refresh your thirsty soul. Would you stand with me, please, all over the house? Refreshing waters. Refreshing waters. Refreshing waters. Pastor, I'm in the middle of a separation with my spouse. Don't go do it by yourself. If you do it by yourself, you'll get lonely. And then you will open the door to the wrong person and you'll bring more confusion into your life. There'll be somebody the opposite sex that will come by who's gone through the same things you're going through and the next thing you know, out of your loneliness, you've got more trouble and chaos. But there's a church and brothers and sisters who will help you. Pastor, I don't know how to even put one foot forward then stop. Let us refresh you first. And I know this seems so elementary, but I feel pressed. There's some of you, you haven't had an encouraging word in so long, you forgot what that sounds like. When's the last time you went to your mailbox and had a card from somebody in the church? When's the last time you sent a card to somebody? 
When's the last time somebody just walked up to you and said, you blessed me with that song, or I appreciate your faithfulness. Thank you for opening the door for it. When is the last time there's somebody needs to know you hadn't had an encouraging word in so long? Can I give you that word this morning in your storm? May you be refreshed in your storm. Revived, revigorated in Jesus' name. I've preached to you a very pastoral message of refreshing. Now be refreshed. Would you bow your hands, Father? all over the house to those who would say, God, I pray right now, God, that you would begin a refreshing wind. Father, I pray right now, God, that you, God, would touch our people. I want them first to know that they're not alone. And two, you have refreshment for them today. Revive them in their chaos and their crisis and bring them out. On the count of three, I want those who need prayer who say, Pastor, you spoke to me. I've, I know that word was for me. And I want to be refreshed. One, I want you to come. I want you to let God touch you and realize you're not alone. This man was letting Paul know I'm with you no matter what. Two, can you imagine what all over heaven's going to be like? Can you imagine his reputation? Can you imagine? Three, would you come please all over the house? You need to be refreshed. You need to be refreshed. Would you step out by faith? They're coming now. Any others would be refreshed? Refreshing wind flow, fall on us. Refreshing wind. Anyone else say, Pastor, I want to be refreshed. My marriage, my finances, I need refreshment. Don't hesitate. No, no, nobody's judging you. We just don't want you to walk alone. Come on, I got brothers over here that need help. I got brothers, ministers, I need you to help me. Help me, please. Help me, please. Help me, please. I need ministers to help me, please. We have good brothers that are in the storm right now. They're not bad people. Come on, church, we've got to quit. We've got to let go of our stones and consider ourselves, as Paul told the church at Galatia. Let it down in Jesus' name. There's others, there's others, come on. There's others, there's others coming. There's others coming, that's all right. I need some more ladies to help me right here, please. I need some ladies to help me right here. There's others coming right here. Brian, if you assist me with this gentleman right here, please.